Well, praise the Lord. If ever I loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. Amen. What a great statement to be able to make. But let me ask you this. Do you really love Jesus? Let's make sure we do. Amen. Um, that is most important in our lives, to love him, because he sure loves us. He sure loves us. He gave his life for us that we might be able to go where he is now at the right hand of the Father. And one day as a child of God, we'll get to go there. Amen. What a sweet, sweet peace that is in my heart, and I hope it is in yours. Well, let's uh, ask you if you would take the Word of God. Turn with us to Deuteronomy chapter 33. Deuteronomy chapter 33. If you need help finding that in your Bible, it's right before chapter 34. Deuteronomy chapter 33. We're going to read one verse there today. Notice in verse 27, the Word of God states, and let's go ahead and back up and read verse 26 as well. In verse 26 he says, There is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, again, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this congregation today, for uh, the songs that have been sung, Lord, the blessings that you've given us through that. But Father, now is a time for your Holy Spirit to continue to work in our midst. And, Lord, to help us to understand your Scripture. And, Father, I pray that you would undergird me and strengthen me, Lord, as I stand here in this pulpit, Lord. And, Father, as I try to share a portion of your Word, I, Lord, I only ask, God, that people see you and not me. And I ask, Father, that you would take charge in this service. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. I've taken as a subject today the everlasting arms of God. The everlasting arms of God. Uh, here in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, we are nearing the last chapter of the book. 34 is the last chapter. And you'll find that Moses is actually giving a little bit of a review, if you will, of some things that have happened in his life and the life of those children, the children of Israel. And this is, again, his last days. He begins to provide what you might call a summary of what they're going to look at and things that they need to know before they go into the promised land. He offers some prophecy about the tribes. He tells them what God has told him about the 12 tribes of Israel. And now you know also that uh, they have wandered now for 40 years in the wilderness. So a lot of those folks that had caused some trouble beforehand and some of their families have now died out and they're gone. And so what you have now is people that have contributed to the Lord. They've contributed in their faith. they contributed in everything that they could. And they are now ready to go into the promised land. 
in Deuteronomy 34, if you read it, you'll find that Moses, um, God comes to him and tells him that uh, he's going to take him up to the mountain and he takes him there and he allows him to look over into the cities and the towns and the areas of the promised land. But he tells Moses that you will never enter in there. And then the Bible tells us that God took him then from that mountain and uh, the people of God, they were very sad. In fact, for a few days after that, they were very sad. I think it's 30 days after that that they stayed and mourned for Moses and then they went on. Now, you have to understand something that it says in the Word of God, too, about Moses. Moses never died. God took him. God took him from that place. And so what a blessing it was for Moses and for him to be able to go on to God to be in heaven. Uh, there is no grave that you'll find for Moses. In fact, God didn't tell us where that was going to be at or anything else. And so uh, Joshua now, uh, he is going to take up the mantle. He is the son of Nun, and he's going to go in and take the children of Israel uh, that have been in bondage for years, bondage to their own sin for the last 40 years uh, as they wandered through the wilderness, and he's going to take them uh, into the promised land. And we know here some time back we talked about the, the understanding of uh, the uh, the temple that was going to be built later on but also the altars that they built when they crossed over into the Jordan and then crossed over on the other side we talked about that here a couple of months ago but today as we look into this story Moses is giving his last words his last advice his last thoughts to the people of God he has talked to Joshua already he has given uh, Joshua the word of God and what God has told him to do and Joshua now has the word that God has told him and he will again take that mantle up and move forward and there is always uh, someone to take the place when God's man steps down uh, there always is uh, in a church it's the same way as it is in this scripture here in Scripture, when one man stepped down, when there was one that was taken away, God placed another. If you remember there in the New Testament, uh, John uh, the Baptist, uh, he was beheaded. And uh, during this time, Jesus was preparing his ministry. Uh, after this point, uh, he continued to begin his ministry. And there was someone in the place of John the Baptist. Of course, it was Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. And so God always prepares uh, someone to take the place when someone else is not there, that leader is not there. And so we look into this scripture today, and there are some points that I want to make to you about it. There's actually three points that I want to make about this as we look at the everlasting arms of God and how that God does and what God does for each and every one of us. First of all, uh, we want to look at God being our sustainer our sustainer and we'll define that here in a few moments actually we'll define all of these in a few moments and then we also see God as our shelter not only is he our sustainer he is also our shelter and then we see him as our support as our support and I can tell you dear friends today uh, the people of God they needed these three things when they moved into the promised land 
they were about to move into the promised land and they were about to come up against giants. Uh, the Amalekites, uh, all of the Amalekites were anywhere from 8 to 10 feet tall. Uh, they were giants in the land. That's where uh, uh, Goliath, he was one of the Amalekites and he came out into that. Uh, just huge, huge people. Uh, people that they had never seen before. Uh, the, the other people that were there... Uh, they were going to be uh, an obstacle to them, and they needed God with them. And Moses knew this. God had already shared with Moses the things that they were going to come up against. And so as these things were shared, he shares them with them and gives them some understanding that they might be able to pursue this, but uh, make sure that they were uh, victorious when they moved through this uh, country and, and how they were supposed to take it. Now, they were to take the promised land. This promised land is the land that God had promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And, and God even tells Moses this as he looks over into that land, that this is the promised land. This is what I have given to you. Do you know that that same promised land is the land today in Israel that uh, is being disputed, still being fought over? Uh, uh, so many different things that has happened over there and they still have not yet quite accepted the fact of whose this land really is. It belongs to the Jews. It belongs to God's people. And they need to accept that fact and realize it. And then in that country over there, uh, in those areas where uh, people have taken over those lands that belong to Israel, came out people of different beliefs, uh, beliefs of the Islam people, and the Islamic uh, Jihad and so forth. And here, I think it was 21, 22 years ago, 22 years ago now, uh, tomorrow uh, there were terrorists that hijacked four different airplanes in America. And as they hijacked these planes in America, they had a plot to kill Americans. At today's date, there has been over 3,000 people that have died in result of those attacks on America. It was not just to kill Americans, but it was to kill American Christians and the belief system that we have. And so I see the devil working just as he did here. As we enter into this land, this land that is ours, this, this land that is supposed to be free that uh, we have here called America, Sometimes we go to bed and do we really feel as safe as we once did because of the terrorist attacks. And there has been other terrorist attacks since that time and even before that time that we have never been told about because the government keeps some of these things secret from us. And so there are things that happen really on a daily basis, things that are happening in these other countries to fight against Christians, to fight against uh, the Jewish people, to fight against God's people, basically, because they do not believe that. They have another belief system because they have always had another belief system. And so we get into this understanding today about the everlasting arms of God. In the sight and in the thought about our country and where our country is at, uh, the things that have happened in the past, the things that may happen in the future, friend, 
we definitely need to know that we have a God that loves us and cares for us and has his arms outstretched unto each and every one of us and is helping us. And so that's what this lesson is about today. It's about those everlasting arms and what God does for us. And first of all, I want you to notice God being our sustainer. That word sustainer in the uh, 1828 version of Noah Webster's dictionary, which was the first uh, one. And the reason I use that dictionary is because Noah Webster is a Christian or was a Christian and uh, throughout his lifetime as he wrote uh, this dictionary and studied these words and all these things, uh, he put excerpts of Scripture in there. And so when you go read that dictionary, you will find Scripture from the Word of God because he put the biblical understanding of these definitions there. And so the word sustainer in his dictionary, it means to uphold or to suffer. Uphold or to suffer or to stand with. And so when we think about God being our sustainer, God then is upholding us. Now what does it mean to uphold us? Well, what it means to uphold us is He is standing with us. He is always with us. There's not a day in our lives that our God is not standing with each and every one of us. In Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 21, he states this, Yea, forty years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing, their clothes waxed not old, and their feet swelled not. Uh, last night, uh, Debbie and I went over here to the, um, to the Dollar Tree thing over here, uh, the family dollar and as we uh, Debbie went in it was raining and so she went in real quickly and she was just picking up something and and I sat out in the truck and and uh, she mentioned to me she said well there's somebody a street person sitting there right beside that ice cooler and so I sat there through the rain coming down on the windshield and I watched this street person sit there and I guess he was sitting there trying to get out of the rain and he sat there and I watched him take his shoes off and his socks off and he sat there and he, he scratched his feet and he scratched his, his legs. He'd take his fingers and rub between his toes and so forth, just like you would at home, you know. And he did all those things. And then he would take his hands and he would rub them through his hair. He would rub his face, rub his old woolly beard that he had and things like this. And I thought to myself, my first thought was, wow, I wonder how that guy got into this situation. And then I thought to myself, well, I, I wonder if this man is saved. And I thought about that. And as he kept sitting there scratching his feet, and, and he did this probably for 10, 15 minutes, and he would go from one to the other, one to the other. But notice something. The reason he did that is because his feet, he had probably been walking. His feet probably had gotten itchy in his shoes and they probably had began swelling as he had been walking. But notice something that God tells us about the children of Israel there in Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 21 that we just got through reading. He tells us that he, he upheld the people of God. He upheld them, he sustained them in the wilderness, and their clothes did not wax old. How many times do we go to the store and we buy clothes and then we wash them and, you know, uh, they call some clothes now wash and wear. You throw them on and throw them in the laundry, wash them and then take them out. You don't have to iron them or do anything, you know. Uh, listen, dear friends, these people, their clothes, when they walked into the wilderness, when they walked out of their wilderness, their clothes were at the same type of clothes. They were the same 
newness, if you will, as they were when they went into the wilderness. That's how good God was sustaining these people. For 40 years, their clothes never wore out. Now, can you imagine wearing a dress, ladies, for 40 years and it never wearing out? I mean, the hem never comes out of it. The, it. It never becomes threadbare. The colors never fade or anything of that nature. Uh, guys, what about your ties, you know? Uh, some of y'all know I collect ties. I've probably got 250, maybe 300 neckties. And uh, I, I like... I like bright colors, you know. I like paisleys and things of that nature. And, and so I've bought those ties over the years and people have given them to me. But guys, can you imagine having a tie for 40 years that never lost its color, that you never dropped a piece of food on when you were eating, you know? Can you imagine that? Never wearing out. Can you imagine your shoes never wearing out? My shoes wear out quicker than anything, especially my, my Sunday shoes, you know. They wear out because I wear them a lot. And, and some of y'all may have noticed I'll, I'll walk up through here with a pair of shoes I have on now and it sounds like i got a, a, a squeaky leg, you know. Well, it's not my leg or my body. It's one of my shoes. They, the little air bubble in it is messed up and it squeaks every time I step on it, you know. And so I don't have a, a bum leg or anything of that nature, but the shoes are just wore out, and they're not that old. But can you imagine 40 years, your clothes and your shoes never wearing out? God took care of these people. He sustained them. That's what uphold means. He allowed them to keep what they had for all those years. Now, in Psalm 3 and verse 5, he tells us this. He said, I laid me down and slept. I awake for the Lord sustained me. How many of y'all went to bed last night? <laughs> I know. You say, preacher, that's a silly question. Of course we went to bed. Well, let me ask you this. When you laid down, did you get a good night of rest? Did you rest last night? You know, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll lay down and I don't get a bit of rest. I'll, I'll wake up the next morning and it's just like I hadn't even been to bed, you know. I, my body feels that way sometimes. And so what I'm trying to say is, he tells us here in Psalm, he tells us that, that he laid down, and when he got up the next morning, he was feeling rested, he felt like a new person, because God had sustained him all night long. You see, that, that thing, it means that God was there with him all night long. I, I kind of look at the fact that maybe God had his angels, and the angels were just camped around that bedside that night and he looked down and God was looking down and the angels were watching him all night long and if he moved a little bit the angels touched him real quietly and moved him back over you know do you know that God is doing that same thing with each and every one of us do you know that every one of you have a guardian angel? So as many as we have in the church today, that's how many angels we have in the church today. By the way, you're not the angel, but the angel is with you, okay? You have a guardian angel. And those guardian angels are here, but that's not the only angels that are here today. Do you know that God sends angels to the church to camp around the church? I pray that God does that every single time that we meet here, that God brings angels to encamp around the church so the devil can't get in. Amen. You know, when the devil comes knocking at the door, I don't want him to get in. Do you want him in? No, I don't want him in here. And so I pray, and God encamps angels around this church. Now, how many of y'all saw angels when you walked in the door today? Nobody, right? 
but they're here. I can promise you they're here because God tells us in His Word. This is how God sustains us. He keeps us going on a daily basis, and He upholds us so that we can come in here today and we can, we can worship, we can sing and play the music that we play and, and worship and honor God through the, through the sustaining power of God. And then in Psalm 55 and verse 22, he says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Wow. Not only is he taking care of our clothes and all these other things that we come in here with, not only is there's angels camping around about us, but God tells us that, that if we will just put our burden on the Lord, that he'll sustain us. That means he'll hold us up. He'll, we will never suffer the righteous to be moved, he says. And what he's saying is, if you and I fall under the righteousness of God and learn to be a righteous people, then God says, I will not allow them to be moved. I like that old gospel standard song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. And somebody said one day, well, that's what you Baptists are. You believe that you're not going to move and you don't move off of anything, you know. You don't move off the color of the carpet. You don't move off of how many ceiling fans we're going to put in the church. You don't move off of the color of the pews that we're going to put in or how many, you know. Listen, dear friend, that's not what God's talking about. God's talking about the fact that he's not going to move us away from that faith, away from him. Because he's going to be there to uphold us all the way through. How many times do you go through troubles and trials? We do this every single day, don't we? Troubles and trials beset us on every hand, it seems like. And yet there is God right there sustaining us. He's, he's keeping us. Notice that he, in this scripture here that he talks to us about in verse 27, he says, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say, destroy them. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the people of God here, but when he says, destroy them, who's he talking to? He's talking to the angelic host, dear friends. Destroy them. And so you and I today, we have to notice who the He is who in that Scripture. We have to notice that the He is God. And no matter what trouble, no matter what trial, no matter what problem that you're going through, that God is there with us and He's taking care of us. In Exodus chapter 8 and verse 10, He says, There is none like unto the Lord our God. There is none like Him, dear friends. God is our Savior. Isaiah 45 and verse 5 says, I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Oh, dear friends, there are people in our world today that they, they worship this thing and that thing. They worship this thing because they think it's a God. Uh, the Buddhists, they, they worship some little fat guy with his legs crossed, you know. And, and uh, why would they want to worship that guy? But they did. Oh, he was a great soothsayer, they say. You know, he, he had great wisdom. Uh, there's some people, they, they used to worship Confucius and what Confucius would say and how that he would line things up. Listen, friends, the only one that we need to worship today is God and God alone because he is the only God, dear friend. And if we're worshiping anything else or any other one else, then we have worshiped the wrong thing. And so the everlasting arms of God is our sustainer. We also find out that He is eternal. 
and He's everlasting. Uh, we see in verse 27 that He tells us that God is eternal. How long is eternity? Well, uh, the little black boy said one day, I don't know how long it is, but it sure is a long time, you know. Well, I'm the same way. I don't know how long it is today, dear friends, but I know it's a long, long time. Eternity is something that God has created. And eternity never has an end. It continues and continues and continues. And so God teaches us and He tells us here that, that, eternal, that He is eternal. He always has been and He always will be. But not only is He eternal, the Bible says He's everlasting. Uh, I, I would say he's probably better than that little pink bunny with the ears, you know. <laughs> he, he might be everlasting, but he's not as, as everlasting as God is. Amen. So we, we thank God for that. He tells us he's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last letters of the, the Greek language. And uh, we see that his eternal presence uh, is here always. And it presents the idea of never being used up. So what we use of God today is still there tomorrow. What we use of God tomorrow is still going to be there next week. So you can never use all of God up. But you go to the gas station and you put that that little nozzle in your tank and you fill it up and pay about $150, you know, to do that now. Uh, you fill that up and next week, if you're going all week long, it's going to be gone, isn't it? But I guarantee you, when you put God in your tank, dear friends, God is never used up. He's always there and you always have a full supply of God. And by the way, it doesn't cost you anything. Amen? All God asks us is to give us his, our lives to Him, devote ourselves to Him. And then he leads us and guides us and provides us with everything that's there. I mean, can you imagine that? He told the children of Israel, just trust in me. And, and they did there for a while and then walked away. And that's why they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Because they walked away and now they're ready to go in. And as they go in, Moses reminds them that God is your sustainer. You will come against struggles. You'll come against uh, trials. But when you come against them, remember that God is your sustainer. But that's not the only thing he, to he tells them in these in this two verses. He tells them also that not only is he the sustainer, but he is also our shelter. Now that word shelter, I looked it up also in the 1828 uh, Webster's Dictionary. And it means to defend, to protect from danger, to secure to harbor or render safe. And the first thing that we see here in verse 27, he says, the eternal God is thy what? Thy refuge. Thy refuge. You know what that is? That refuge is that shelter. It's that, it's that safe harbor, if you will. It's that place that, that we can go to to be protected from danger. So you and I, each and every day of our lives, when we go to God and we talk to God in prayer and as we begin to share things in our life with God and we ask God for protection, how many of y'all, when you've been on a trip, you pray before that trip and you ask God for traveling mercy and protection? Do you do that, friends? I do. I, I want to make sure that our family is safe. When my family is traveling and I'm not with them, I pray that same prayer. When y'all go places and I know that you're going somewhere on a trip, I pray that God gives gives y'all traveling mercy as well 
because I want God to keep you safe, dear friends. And I know that God is always there to shelter you, to keep you. And that word shelter means to defend. And, and if you are defended, that means the devil or something is coming out after you and God defends you. He stands in front of you with a blazing sword and Satan cannot get by that, dear friends. Praise God for that. The shelter, the refuge that we have to go to. Can you imagine David in the, as he is running from King Saul and King Saul's army and he goes this place and that place. He battles them in the, in the battlefield several times and, and there he's in the caves there and uh, Mechpelof and as he's there in those caves and he's, he's worried to death and he's, he's frightened but he's trusting in the Lord and, and God takes care of him and he defends him. Can you imagine the children of Israel when they do go against these Amalekites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and all the Zite brothers and sisters, you know, as they go into this land and start talking to all these people and, and coming against all these people. They have a hundred men and the armies have 200,000 men, but God lets the thousand become victorious over the 200,000. You know why that is? Well, when we've been studying the tabernacle here recently on Wednesday nights, the tabernacle would go before the people of God. The Ark of the Covenant would go before them. God was going before them. And before the Ark of the Covenant, there were angels that God sent out to help protect them and defeat the armies that was there. Praise God how God gives us shelter, dear friends. The shelter, the defense that God puts up on our behalf. We look over into Egypt and we see the children there in bondage. They were translated from this place of bondage into a place of shelter, a place of refuge, from a place of oppression, from a place of sin, from a place where they were attacked, from a place where uh, they were disciplined on a daily basis for things that they had not done, a place where there was great sorrow at. And now God leads them out of this place. And for 40 years they've been wandering in the wilderness. And now they're about to go into a place where they've got their own free will. Do you know that's what God teaches us? That we have a free will to accept Him no matter what happens in our lives. That we can accept Him and we can live our lives for the Lord. And we can do anything for the Lord that God wants us to do. We can do it, dear friends. All because of the shelter that He gives unto us. Now, this uh, word shelter also gives the idea of an abiding place. It's, it's not just a verb, but it's also a noun as well. And in the noun, it speaks of a place that God has for us. And we might actually call that place home. You know, in some homes, they used to put the sign up, Home what? See, y'all knew that. Y'all got one of them signs in your house too, don't you? <laughs> uh, in, in my house, I've got as for me in my house, we'll serve the Lord, you know. That's a, better, that's a better one. But home, home, home. Home is the place you go to when you're, you're excited. You know, it's a place you go to when you're sad. It's a place you go to to rest. It's a place you go to just to feel comfortable. You know, I'll bet every one of y'all have your favorite, especially you guys, I bet y'all have your favorite chair in the house, don't you? The chair that, see, I knew, Bill, I knew you had one. <laughs> you have your favorite chair, you know. 
My wife probably has a favorite chair too, but she says, I take it up. So, you know, anyway, my point is this. Home is a good place, isn't it? It's a place we go to to feel comfortable and safe and secure. So that's really what this abiding place is. That's really what this shelter is that God provides for us. He provides for us a place where we feel safe at. Amen. How, how good is that? You know, in this world today, there's, there's not few, but a few places you can go to feel safe. And sometimes even in our own homes now we don't feel safe because people are robbing you in the daytime now, you know. They'll come up and, and shoot you for no reason at all. They'll come up and stab you in the back or, or, or slice your throat open for no reason at all just to be angry, just to be mean. And that's how people are, and that's what the devil has done in our world today, dear friends. But God tells us that He is the home that we can go to. Our, our houses that we go to, they might feel comfortable sometimes, but I can guarantee you, dear friends, God is the one home that you can go to that never feels uncomfortable. We can always be comfortable in the home of God. Amen. And one of these days, we're going to get to go to that place, that place He's preparing for us. Amen a place called heaven, a place where God tells us that there are many mansions. Uh, by the way, uh, the NIV says there's many rooms. I'd much rather have a mansion than a room. Amen? So, uh, again, this is why we stand on what we stand on. So, God tells Moses to tell the people that when you go into the promised land, I'll be your sustainer. And I will be your shelter. I'll be your rest. I'll be the one who eases you. I'll be the one who takes care of you. But then number three, he tells them that God will be their support. I also looked up that word support. And it was interesting because it had some of the same understandings as the word sustainer. And so what support actually means, it means to bear or to keep from sinking. The way that the water keeps a boat from sinking, the way that the air lets a balloon float, that's exactly what God is meaning here. That's what that word means. It means that, that God is there to support us. Even though you cannot see the air that holds the balloon up, even though you cannot necessarily see the force that is holding the boat up. You can see the water, but you can't see the force, the, the scientific force that holds that boat out of that water. You might not be able to see that, but listen, dear friends, as sure as your, your boat is held up, as sure as that balloon can float through the sky, as sure as those things happen, God is our support too. He's that invisible support that is always there. Uh, here is the, the heart of the message today, friends. He is the everlasting arms that are beneath each and every one of us, always holding us up. Uh, there is a, uh, a poem that's talked about called Footprints in the Sand, and the writer of that, that poem, he writes, Lord, I see two sets of footprints for all these years. But he said, when I'm in my worst burdens, when I'm in my most troubles, he says, I only see one set of footprints. Lord, I thought you said you would be there with me and for me and carry me through these things. And God says back to them, yes, I did say that because that one set of footprints you saw was me carrying you. And that's what God does for us, dear friends. He carries us through the burdens. He carries us through the trials. He bears our burdens. He is the one that helps us through each and every one of those. 
you got to find yourself when you're weak. Well, there's no need to fear the everlasting arms because he's going to bear you up. When you find yourself weary and worried and wounded, he's there with his arms to hold you up just like this. Arms outstretched, always holding you. And I can, I can honestly believe this, that one day when we get to heaven, I honestly believe that Jesus is going to be standing somewhere by the gate with his arms outstretched like this. Come on home. Come on home, you know. I've held you up all these many years. Now let me hold you through eternity. Amen. But not only then is he going to be holding us up, then he's going to be holding around us. Amen. Them big old hugs, you know. I'm a southern boy, and, and I like the hugs. In my family, we hugged each other, you know. And I know some of y'all are huggers too, and some of y'all are not, and that's okay, you know. But what I mean is this, that God's just going to hug us up real good and love us up close to him. Some of you folks have never truly been loved. Or maybe you once were loved, but now you're not. I can tell you something, friends. The love of God is greater than any love you could ever experience in this world. It's the best kind of love. And it's the love that only God can give you. God calls it, or he tells us in our understanding of it in the Greek, is that it is an agape love. It is a sacrificial love. And we may sacrifice things for our loved ones here in this world, but God has sacrificed so much more. So he is our support system. Uh, the song says, What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. Listen to what the scripture says about his arms. In Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6 it says, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with my stretched out arm with my great judgment. So with his stretched out arms does not only come support, but with his stretched out arms also comes the judgment that he's going to bring. Listen, dear friends, when he comes back the next time to this world, he's taking us away. <coughs> he's taking the church home to be with him. But the next time he comes, dear friends, and he is coming again after that, when he comes the next time, he's coming with judgment, dear friends. And the Bible tells us that the, that the blood will run as deep as the bridles of the horses in the, in the battle of Armageddon there in the valley of Megiddo. Can you imagine six to seven feet of blood rising up in a valley? And how big that valley is, it's a big valley. I've been there. I've looked over into that valley, and it's a huge valley, but God God says that's where the battle is going to be fought. And that's where the blood is going to be so thick there, dear friends, and so high. And there's going to be judgment in his arms at that time, friend. And none will be able to withstand against it. Because not only does God love us, but God also judges us. And there is great love in his supporting arms, but there's also great judgment in that as well. And you and I today, dear friends, we need to understand that there is judgment in the arms of God. 
we must be judged for our sins and that's why we must confess our sins daily and put those before God put them all under the blood so that you and I are not dealing with these things for the rest of our lives Psalm 77 and verse 15 says thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people Psalm 89 and verse 10 says thou hast scattered thine enemies with the strong arm Luke chapter 1 and verse 57 says he has showed strength with his arm and, and he does this, dear friends. Shows strength, shows stability, shows judgment, shows love and care. Now, surely, whatever you need is not as miraculous as the virgin birth. There are things in your life that I'm sure right now that you need. You need to pray about those things. Maybe you've already been praying about those things. Just trust the Lord to hold on to you. Amen. Just trust the Lord to put these things. God tells us to trust in the Lord and lean not unto our own understanding. When you think that things are something, listen, dear friend, get out of that statement, get out of that thought, get out that out of your head and put the trust of God back in your head. Put the trust of God back in your heart and realize that when there's these things going on in our minds, it's really not a mental problem, it's a heart problem a problem with our hearts if we believe that he is everlasting arms then why do we not lean on him we sing that songs that song leaning on the everlasting arms of the Lord of God but do we really do that I love that old song because it does remind me sometimes to just lean on him and what does that mean well, y'all remember years ago there was a commercial, I think it was Nasty, and they said take the Nasty plunge, and the guy was standing in front of a pool, and he just fell backwards. That's exactly what God wants us to do, is just fall backwards on his arms and lean on him. Amen. No doubt, no thought, no, no, nothing else in, in the, the way of that. Just let him catch you and take care of him and trust him to do that. Now, if I came out there right now and I asked one of y'all to stand and hold your arms out and I'd just fall back and, and example what I just said, I'm going to be honest with you. I would be a little doubtful that maybe you could catch me, you know. But I am not doubtful that God can catch me. I'm not doubtful that He can take care of me because I know that in my heart, dear friends, God is always there and God is supporting me. So let us admit those things in our heart let us admit those things that are breaking us down that are stopping us from trusting in this Lord God that is stopping us from doing all these things that we need to do for him let's just admit that and ask him to take care of us just as Moses told the people of God there I stand and tell you today that God is our sustainer he is our support and he is the shelter that you can go to in time of need. Oh, dear friend, God loves you today. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. So why not just lean on him? Lean on those everlasting arms. They'll be there through all eternity for each and every one of us. And I don't know what trouble or trial that, you, that you've got before you. But I can tell you this, dear friends, it doesn't matter what one it is how deep or how dark it seems that God is always there with you he's there 
heads bowed and eyes closed. I believe today that God wants to and has spoken to someone today. Maybe someone who has some troubles and some trials that they're going through right now. And God is asking you to come and to make these things right. Put your trust in Him. And only you and God know these things. Maybe it's something in your heart that you've been dealing with. Maybe it's a sin that you've been dealing with. And, and, and God wants you to get that taken care of. Friends, you can do that today. You can come up to this altar and you can bow and you can ask God to forgive you. And you can tell Him that you're going to live for Him and stand strong with Him. It's all you've got to do, dear friends, is commit that and ask Him to do it. And so, as the song leader comes and musicians begin to play, we need to make sure that we're trusting in God as our sustainer, our shelter, and our support. And know that these everlasting arms will always be there for us. Father, forgive us where we fail you. Help us, Lord, to stand the correct way. Help us, Lord, to be saved. Help us, Lord, to truly live our salvation, to be true Christians, to honor you and to lift you up in our church, but, Father, also in places that we go to. Help us, Lord, to be the example that others look to, the example of faith and the example of trust. And, Father, may we also warn people that there is a day of judgment coming. And, Father, that they need to be ready as well. Help us, Lord, in all these aspects. In the name of our Savior, we ask this prayer. Sister, what number? 570, if you would, please stand today, dear friends. Again, I believe that God has spoken to someone today. I tell you, He's spoken to me. I don't know about you, but, friend, I need to trust in Him. I need to know that He's with me every day. When I get behind that sacred desk, do you know who attacks me? It's the devil. And he attacks me very strongly sometimes. He attacks me out through the week. And sometimes it's super hard. But I can tell you, I trust in Jesus and I lean on Him. And He carries me through each and every time. Because He is that way. He's our friend. He's our lover. He's our companion. He's our fellowship. He is so much more, dear friends. And all we have to do is just fall into His loving arms. Will you do that today, friend? Will you come and do that today as we sing?
psalm says, be still my soul. Why? Because it's in our soul that God speaks to us. Not in our minds, not in our heads. That head thing, you know, head knowledge is not really enough to get you to heaven. You've got to have that heart knowledge, friend. And I'm afraid there's too many people in too many churches today that have a head knowledge, but they don't have a heart knowledge. You know, they said that, I think it was a preacher that said this many years ago, he said uh, the distance between the head and the heart is the distance that it sends some people to hell because some people have the head knowledge and not a heart knowledge of God. And friend, today, be still my soul. Let everything else be quiet that my heart can yield unto you, Lord, and that, God, that you can take me home and I can know for sure when I leave this building that you are my Savior. What a truth. What a truth, dear friends. Let's pray and be dismissed. And as I pray, I want you to pray. I want you to think about this message today. I want you to think about God being your sustainer and your strength and your shelter. And I want you to trust in Him every day and just lean on His arms because He loves you and He wants to hold you. Amen. He wants to do this for us. Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne of grace, thank you, God. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your truth. Thank you most of all, Father, for sheltering us and sustaining us and, Father, supporting us. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless each one of you.